Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just <laughs> there's good racing and I enjoy it. Mm. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. Joining me this week to preview Queensland and a whole bunch more from Racefacts, Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. Good evening. And from Vertex Magazine, on sale now at your local newsagents, and online, of course, John Bannon. And uh, another interesting story, another good little feature on some of the Dunlop runners who are definitely up-and-comers in uh, this Australian motorsport scene, John. Yeah, that's right, Craig. And, uh, yeah, thank you for the for the plug there. And um, hello to Tony as well. Uh, yes, uh, I, I put together a piece uh, on three of the young rising stars in the sport. In fact, really, one of them in Cam Waters... Uh, has already risen, so to speak. I think it's just a matter of uh, where he'll end up uh, next year, although you, you must say that uh, uh, David Reynolds, who, who was the man who was under pressure um, in terms of trying to keep his seat uh, so that Cam didn't end up filling it, uh, has has been exceptional uh, the last few rounds. So, anyway, there's that aspect of it, but also there's Jack LeBrock, uh, who's, who's been pushing Cam, certainly... Uh, the, the last couple of rounds, and you know, if, if he doesn't end up with a seat uh, next year in the main game, then maybe he'll do another series in, in the Dunlop series, another season, and, and um, you know, surely he, he'd be the title favourite next year if he goes around next year. And of course, there's um, Macaulay Jones, uh, who uh, has all the, the family links uh, to, to, to the Jones family and, and BJR um, in, in being Brad's son. So. Yeah, uh, three young guys have all got links to major teams uh, in that uh, Cam's linked with ProDrive, uh, Jack's linked with Erebus, and um, McCauley's obviously uh, linked with BJR. So having those three links will really help uh, those guys rise in their career. Yeah, Jack LeBrock, uh, we had him on Inside Motorsport a few weeks ago, and uh, the amount of racing he's doing, Tony, and you can't beat seat time, but he's running a GT, he's running a Ute, he's running uh, in the Dunlop series. He's just getting his backside into a race car as often as possible. Look, um, can I just talk briefly about Cam Waters? And and I've... I remember Cam so well, his first time he rang it at Bathurst. I mean, he's just a stunning kid. I spoke to him that first time he was there, and every day I'd, he said, can you come back tomorrow? you come back out for the next session? And he just thoroughly enjoyed talking to me, and, and I suppose there weren't a lot of people paying attention to him then. But one of the things that, in my 20-plus years of uh, covering the sport, no one, not even Jamie Wincup, at his peak, was able to over, not just one or two or three or four races, but over the number of races that Cam has been in qualifying sessions, he's got a 1.4 qualifying average and a 1.2 race average this year. You know, just stunning numbers because the kid has done the thing that he needed to do. He was making mistakes. We all know it. He'd, he'd, he'd rush into a corner and try and regain a position, whereas now he says, OK, dumbbells in front of me, but hell, I've finished second. My worst position of the year is the second. 
So he finishes second. You know, I just look. He is just a stunning kid, and you've never seen. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have seen him physically in recent times, but he has bulked up. He wins when he beats the FBR drivers when they go to a training camp. I mean, he's, he wins those races even. Mm. So a stunning kid. The others as well. We have good quality coming through. This week on Inside Motorsport, I'll give a plug to my other show. I uh, spoke to Ben Grice, and right. another driver yeah. who is fast. And, and we sort of joked off air about you can't teach fast, but you can get fast consistent. You can get fast not making mistakes, but you can't I, teach fast. I'll tell you a great story about Benny Grice. Nothing to do with... It was, he was working for Morris's. He was looking after tyres. His very first round in Darwin, probably five, six, seven, eight years ago, he was up there as a 20-something-year-old, maybe an 18-year-old. He went into the Dunlop truck and said, Hi, my name's Ben Grice. I'm looking after Morris's tyres this weekend. To Kevin Fitz, um, can you just tell me what I need to do and what I don't need to do? The kid is a really smart kid. He is going to go a long way in the sport. Yep, well, he's he's done pretty well in the Swifts. He's clean sweep the uh, Super Sixes at Sydney Motorsport Park last time out, and and uh, we also joked that uh, with the Nationals on the week after the V8s, he was joking how the V8s are the the uh, opening attraction to the uh, main the main event at the Shannon's Nationals the following week. So great sense of humour on him as well. Yeah, and the great thing is that, I mean, we're talking about all these young blokes, you know, I mean, they're civilised people, they know how to behave, they know how to act, and how to carry themselves, and they're fast getting themselves in the stage where they're going to be as good out of the car as they are in it. And it's also an interesting trend that's starting to occur, and probably really Scott McLaughlin started it, was these guys are getting in into tin tops and V8 supercars earlier and earlier, uh, and... I can't, the, the name escapes me, but there's that uh, young bloke running around who's 14 uh, at the moment in... Um, oh, yeah. Rollo. Yes. Alex Rollo, yeah. Yes, and, and <laughs> I mean, that's just an example of, of the way people, are, uh, I guess, are viewing uh, the, the motorsport chart now and, and how to... Yeah, it's, 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 it's not exactly a new... I, I was there when, when Paul Dumbrell, age 16, in his debut short pants, turned up at Simmons Plains to make his debut. Mm. <laughs> I can remember that, and that was a long time ago now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is there is this constant flow of, you know, what will be great young drivers... Yeah, there is. One young New Zealander that came into the sport very, very young. He was off at Spa last weekend. And, and Tony, I know you have a great relationship with the Giz and and his team there. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to get himself on the podium like the last time out. But he got himself a second fastest qualifying position for Von Ryan and uh, he's once again demonstrated that he could certainly play in a much bigger fishbowl than the Viet Supercars. Yes, indeed. And, and certainly, I mean, uh, uh, racing at somewhere like Spa, he's certainly put himself on the main stage. They were overnight. He was um, uh, racing uh, a second or third stint um, at night at Spa, and they were running in third or fourth place. Um, he, he had a tangle with somebody, and as you know, it's a track like that, in the night with the rain and all the things, they lost time, they lost four or five laps, um, they ended up getting a penalty, and then they had an engine failure, so they DNF'd. Um, really unfortunate, but, you know, he's all the better for the experience of having raced there. 
Um, so uh, he's got another one to go um, there and uh, he'll back. Interestingly, Steve Hallam went over there. And, of course, Steve um, is, you know, running the team here at uh, Techno. Uh, of course, we're acquainting himself with a very old friend in Dave Ryan, who runs Von Ryan Racing and uh, or Von Ryan's Express. Um, and uh, they were, you know, they were there together and, and obviously uh, being able to discuss the next step for, for Shane. Yeah, it is. It is going to be interesting once he gets to Red Bull, and I, I'm still staggered by the uh, report saying that he's going to cut back his international racing when he gets to Triple uh, Eight, because that I think would be to his detriment, and in the long run, to Roland's detriment, because he is a type of person that needs to be racing as often as possible for his psyche. Yeah, look, and the great thing was, I mean, both last year and and the year before. You know, he turned up at Adelaide and he had as many racing kilometres under his belt as the entire probably rest of the field had, having done um, Daytona and some New Zealand super tours and various other things. Yes, he does. I mean, and thrives on that uh, time with the steering wheel in his hands. And I equate him a lot with someone like Kimi Raikkonen. I mean, these guys, all they want to do is race. Just leave me alone. I just want to race, you know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and look, you know, the great thing will be that uh, I think uh, Roland will realise that that will play a part in it um, and that, you know, he'll, he'll be at Highlands, I hope, this year and get, getting on board a McLaren or something like that um, and, that, you know, that's to his betterment and the team's uh, future as well. Yep. And once again, the youngster, Liam Talbot, he's on the podium in, yeah, the, uh, yeah. in the Amateur Cup, I think it was, and uh, he... He's certainly making his name a name for himself in that uh, blank, blank pain series and also just in GT racing over in Europe. I, I'm probably one of the very few journalists in, in Australia who's ever spoken to Liam. He was actually stoked that I uh, w- went and saw him several times over the weekend. I was at Monza. A really nice young kid. Um, he, he works in the mines. He's obviously made a lot of money and, and got himself in a position where now he can afford the time to go and sp- do all these races. And he clearly has learnt an enormous amount and he's uh, paired up with people so that he's in good cars, in good teams and they're getting places as a result. Yeah, it's a, a great result. Look, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but it's Queensland Raceway when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to uh, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, which can be heard on Stitcher, which is available, Tony, in your... You can get it in your car, the Stitcher app. You can also get it on your smartphones and a whole other range. Two million stations available, and, of course, this great show, Inside Supercars. Tony... Queensland yeah. Raceway, the paperclip, but interestingly enough, it is a track that is much maligned, but there's six corners on that track that are all different. Yes, and it, you know, it offers an enormous challenge, the bumps of, uh, of Ipswich, 
uh, and obviously that's the challenge. And and uh, a lot of teams have had success there. I mean, it, it's spread across. I mean, Chaz, of course, getting his first race win there. HRT have had success there. Triple Eight success there. Slady's had success there. Um, you know, certainly you'd have to think that FPR are going there as favourites because they've got form for the year and they've got form on tracks that have got bumps and so therefore they'll go in there um, as as favourites with good reason. Mm. John, can Red Bull come back? Well, if they're going to, they have to do it uh, at this round. Uh, obviously, the, the not that the championship is, is slipping away, it, it's too close um, to be saying that, but uh, in terms of, I guess, really making a, a championship tilt, uh, this is the opportunity uh, for, for Craig and, and Jamie uh, to do that. Uh, as Tony has mentioned, uh, they've been strong here in the past. They were strong here last year. But I, I must admit, I, I agree with what Tony's saying. ProDrive is uh, the, the team to beat uh, at the moment. And uh, Chaz, with the success he has had here, uh, in the past, that will give him a lot of confidence. It's a track he knows very well, and you'd think once again uh, that, that they'll be the team to beat. But it is a track that can produce surprises, uh, and I guess we'll just wait, wait to see. But uh, really, it, it, it's a hard ask for, for, for Red Bull, but we know the resources that, that they pour in. Uh, they, they know how to win, so you, you can never rule them out. The critical thing, Tony, is we don't have uh, we don't have home grounds anymore. There's no home tracks when you can only have one test outside of Sydney Motorsport Park. Really, Sydney Motorsport Park is the home ground for all these teams because they had two of their three testing days there. Yeah, but they didn't exactly have track time on the second day, did they? They're all just having a single lap shootout. Look, the stunning thing is that you know you got Chaz there who has actually cut his qualifying average from last year at 15.9 to 4.6. He's had seven poles in the last line qualifying sessions. The kid has actually learnt the game and just learnt it so well. So you've got to think that he's going to be on online to, to take another one or two or three, whatever, how many they have. It's three, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting to actually reflect on, on that qualifying thing. Last year, of course, FPR had pretty crappy qualifying. So they went away and they fixed that. And so what they've done now is they've added to their race pace by having the qualifying pace to race at the front of the pack. Now, they haven't had that every weekend. But the thing that they've done this year and the reason that they're being so successful is they've got rid of the mistakes they're making. They've made some awful boo-boos. We've all sat back and gone, why are they stacking? Oh, another wheel nut's gone missing. The wrong strategy. What have they done? There are so many. There's a litany of mistakes that they've made over the years. They would, at time shows stunning pace. And then suddenly, oh, there's a screw up. No, no, not another one. And so that now what they're doing is they've cut those mistakes out of their, their uh, whole game of tools. And the great thing for that team is that they've done it with mostly homegrown talent people that FPR, PRA have actually developed into the sport and made into great people in the jobs they're doing. And so they're able to really rejoice in winning it, not by somebody who's learned off there in some other sport, in some other category somewhere else, but because they've learned here in this paddock. 
and I believe that they will continue through this year. When you look at the fact the rest of this year, we've only got six more races before into enduro time. Now, already we've seen both last year and the year before where PRA have actually learned how to get the cars home, whether they were starting at the front of the grid or at the very back of the grid. They can still get there. Mm, yeah, and the, the enduros are going to be critical, but obviously if you get yourself 300 points ahead before the enduros and then have a solid enduro season, the Absolutely. opportunities to catching up are very, very few and far between. It all comes down to what can you bank now before you get to three races or two races, really, that pay 300, uh, 300 points on the Sunday. Yeah, and, and who we're obviously missing from this discussion that, his name we haven't mentioned yet, is Mark Winterbottom. And, I mean, he has been Mr. Consistent this year. So, you know, while Chaz has, has had all the, the qualifying pace, uh, and, and Mark has been right there with, with him and, and has been getting great starts, and but has, during the races, really delivered. Uh, he's managed to, to get good results just about every time. And that's, that's really setting up uh, you know, every year it's talked about when will Frosty challenge for the title? When will he challenge for the title? Well, this year uh, no, he's doing more than challenging. He's, he's leading the pack, and and if it'll be really interesting to see that team battle as the year goes on. I mean, obviously Chaz has to has to close and, and reel him in, but uh, Frosty has just been Mister Consistent and and. Really, at this stage, if you stop the if you stop the championship now, you'd say he deserves to win it. But you know we've got a long long way to go yet. Mm, when you look at that, Mister Consistency, he's in seventeen races. He's got fifteen top tens. Oh, that's terrifically consistent. But even more so, he's got thirteen top fives. So it's consistently up in the top fives. That's the thing compared to you know Win Cup, of course, who's only got six top fives. So that's a dramatic difference. Mm. You know, and, and there you see it. That where Mark has, if he can't actually win the race, he makes sure that he's, he's right up there at the very end. And that comes back to the team not making strategy mistakes and drivers not punting into each other and putting themselves off. A- absolutely, and, and no one stacking in pit lane. And things like that. Look, there's a lovely story I heard, and I think it's a sad indictment if it's true is that Simon McNamara at uh, Townsville on the Sunday afternoon after the second race had reached boiling point. He's got to, we've got to get something done about the Ford parity. You know, we've got to get these, those cars. You know, they've got way too much speed, way too much aero. We've got to get it adjusted back. Was getting all the Holden teams to sign a petition up and down pit lane until he got to the last garage or the first garage, depending on perspective, the last garage area where Roland refused to sign it. And he refused to sign it says, we're not doing good enough jobs, so how can we criticise those guys? And I think it's a, just a fascinating story. And, of course, that you know, while Simon might have allies in Ryan Walkinshaw and others willing to sign it, Roland, of course, wouldn't. And that's a fair indictment. That, uh... <laughs> and it's probably good that uh, you're able to say that because Roland cops a lot of rubbish and cops a lot of crap and so he takes a lot of it on the chin but he, he hardly ever gets a pat on the back for doing the right thing. Oh, look, you know, I mean, above anything else, he is an absolute racer. You know, I need some more time in the... I need some more speed out of those cars. I'll cut a finger off here. That'll help it. 
you know, I mean, that's that's his ambition is to make these cars win, and and that's what he's been all along. Well, and, and I've I've always found Roland to be extremely fair and also you know very open uh, with his views, and, and I think that this is. Uh, you know, Red Bull would see this as a challenge that that they have to rise to, uh, not not something that needs to be equalised. And we've got to remember that this is good for the sport. You know, we've had years of, of Red Bull domination. It's it's great to you know see that I guess the the blue oval and, and the different guys back up there, and and uh, you know it, it's probably creating a, a new generation of um, of Ford fans and and um, you know young guys like Chaz and and Marks. You know, been in the in the sport for a long time and has a large following. Uh, it's, this this is good for V8 supercars. Mm, indeed, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Back with more after this break. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panelists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media, or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with John Bannon and Tony Whitlock. And, guys, a young driver who is in his rookie year, had his rookie test at Queensland Raceway. How is some lap times, John Bannon, going to, or some track time, going to help Ash Walsh ahead of this weekend? And more particularly, the engineers and everyone from the team getting that data in so it'll also hopefully help Will Davison. Well, it's a track I imagine that Ash knows well. He's um, an Ipswich local, and uh, so I'm, I'm sure he's seen plenty of uh, Queensland Raceway uh, over the years. He's probably up against the same, uh, I guess, battle that he's been up against since the start of the year, and that he's got a very experienced teammate in in Will Davison, and, and it's his rookie year. So, of course, any extra time in the car... Is going to help. You mentioned earlier that you know the only main testing that they get these days is Sydney Motorsport Park. So if you're a rookie, you come in, you get some extra days in the car. Uh, that that's a good thing. I think it's also important that to note that that Ash has done a, a pretty decent uh, job this year with, with with what they've got, and uh, and I'm sure every day, uh, every race meeting, he's learning more and more. And uh, I, you know, I, I think he's doing a decent job this year. Yeah. He doesn't come from a family of races either, Tony. His father used to do the bridge-to-bridge water skiing down there in uh, Sydney on uh, on the Hawkesbury and uh, comes from certainly still a speed background, but not a motor racing one. A similar background to Tony Longs, possibly. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> his his uh, father uh, is an accountant, I believe, and uh, yeah. has uh, been able to lead some of his um, contacts to uh, back uh, young Ash. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see how um, they've been able to pull together a deal. And, and Ash, this year, well, it's going to be make or break for him. I, I have this feeling he he's looking at this back end to be uh, pretty important because we spoke at the very top of the show about the people that are looking for seats in the main game. Look, we don't have rounds anymore. 
But, unbelievably, a stat was published this week that says Fabian Coulthard and David Reynolds are celebrating their 50th round this weekend, John. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I think when the, you give those sort of numbers to the, the drivers, they, they sometimes shrug and sort of say, oh, well, I don't know if it, it means too much. I guess it means they've been, you know, around for a, a while. Uh, and, you know, obviously... Um, Fabian is is someone and, and David that are very much you know, towards the, the front of the the, the grid and um, you know are two guys to watch in you know during the course of this year. So I, I mean, look, I don't know if they they really mind whether they've, they've had fifty rounds or not. Uh, it's probably a nice thing to say you've been around for a while, but really probably for the two of them, uh, what they probably say is uh, what they care about is, is having a fast car and and competing for race wins and, and the championship. So. I think that's what will, uh, you know, re- really matter to them uh, at this stage in their careers. Mm. And to show how pointless the numbers are, Tony, in the same press release, they mentioned Tim Slade having his 200th race start, which, yeah. you know, completely baffles the mind that you're saying, these guys have had 50 rounds and this guy's having 200 races. And it just makes it so confusing for those who yeah. aren't indoctrinated into the sport already. All right. Indeed interesting story that's come out this week Vert Supercars uh, have been talking up the fact that they're an event company, they're a promotion company and they also have a television arm and uh, the Kuala Lumpur City of Kuala Lumpur Grand Prix event is going to be filmed and, and packaged up by V8 Supercar Television. Now, this is critical because uh, we all know last year the Bathurst 12 Hour was a big fight over the ability to make the television package and and it seems like we're getting uh, to see that V8 supercars are diversifying, are looking for other revenue streams, Tony. Yeah, and look, it's a terrific thing. They have a, a great uh, skill box in that uh, that particular team of being able to produce great TV pictures. Um, it's unfortunate that Warburton made so many enemies in and around the paddock in the way in which that whole uh, uh, scenario of the 12-hour versus the pre-season launch. I mean, it's ridiculous now that they're actually looking at it's going to be no more pre-season launch and yet they're now getting themselves involved in the 12-hour. I mean, it's, it's, it makes the whole thing even look more and more ludicrous. But, you know, the, the upshot is that uh, uh, offshore uh, exporting of uh, TV skills is fantastic and, and, and a great great uh, fill-up to uh, all the people involved in that TV uh, unit. Now, I, I know we've spoken uh, in the past uh, I don't know whether it's, I can't remember whether it's on the show or not, Tony. But you, you really can pinpoint the differences between how Australian television producers and directors shoot their supercars as compared to racing from all over the rest of the world. Look, one of the great things that's done on our pictures is they're not frightened to fill the screen with the cars. They're not frightened to get up close and show what the thing is. And it's quite dramatic. If you sit back and look at most V8 events, and then you watch a a NASCAR one, and I remember talking to Marcus Ambrose about it, that the the thing was that you actually think, wow, these V8 supercars, they're brutal to handle. Of course, nowhere near as brutal as a NASCAR, but that doesn't come across. It doesn't look like that. It, they look like little slot cars running around there because they have too many of them on the, on the screen at the same time. You know, all just trying to show brands of uh, sponsors on the screen, 
but the unfortunate thing is that what you don't get is the dynamics of it. You don't get the fierce, ferocious fighting between cars, and that's what the great thing that they have shown for many years. And look, you know, it goes back 20 years ago when Murray Lomax and Channel 10 and they were getting involved. They learned very early, you know, what we need to do is show these things as they should be, and that is brutal cars that take real men to handle them. Um, John, the uh, important thing about diversification in business, which is what we're seeing with uh, VAT supercars actively out there trying to promote other events, trying to get more work for their television production crew, is that they need revenue streams because they've got the television deal signed, that's in place, they're not going to get a change in that money for six more years, so they've got to find other ways to get income in. And, of course, one is bring more people to their events. So the next year's push will be about crowds and, of course, then getting more events to promote. Well, that, that's an interesting point, Craig. How do you think that, uh, you know, you should encourage, you know, crowd more crowds to the event? Are we happy with the amount of people that currently pay, you know, for a ticket? Does uh, having the, the TV package now encourage, uh, I guess, people to go out and, and um, and buy Fox and have the you know the the blow by blow of, of every aspect of the weekend. Does that affect your, your ticket sales as the gate? Does that matter? I, I think they're all very uh, very interesting questions. And, and you're quite right. Like any business, uh, you you have to keep uh, finding ways uh, to to make money because that's that's what a business is. So, uh, which is obviously stating the obvious. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I'm fascinated by how uh, the, the current TV package uh, and what we're doing in the future uh, also shapes how our crowds uh, re- respond to that, uh, who, are, who are going to the track or, or simply how they choose to, to watch their V8 supercars. Are they they to watch it on the TV? Are they watching it on their phone? Are they watching it on the web? I, I think these are all really uh, yeah, I- interesting things and, and I'm sure that um, they've got people at, at V8 Supercars monitoring all of that. Yeah, they certainly do and uh, like I said, watch for 2016, it's going to be the year of getting to the track and I think actually it's going to be a two year plan of you know saying, well we've got the television deal sewn up, we know what that's all about and now it's get to the track we've got to get people buying tickets and going in, because remember more than half of this championship, Tony is owned and run i.e. the gate ticket sales go to yeah, yeah. V8 supercars. Yeah, and they need that cash flow. Archers need that cash flow back into their business from the gate, gate receipts. Mm. So uh, it's a very real thing. Mm. Now, and and I think also with, with, with this particular issue, uh, I've always been of the belief, and I don't know how competitive the V8 um, ticket prices are compared to, to, to other sports, but I've always been of the belief if you sell your ticket's a little cheaper, people will spend the money in at the gate on merchandise and food and all those sort of things, and you, and you make your money back up the, that way. The most famous, one of the most famous stories in marketing of motorsport is Tony Holman, uh, Tony Holman, who bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for a figure, and that next day he sold the concession rights at the track for more than what he bought the track for. And that is one of the, you know, one of the great moves of Tony Holman George's motorsport career. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. I'll get the name right eventually. Plenty more when we return. 
Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bort Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Tony Whitlock and uh, John Bannon. And uh, look, an interesting story that caught my eye it, uh, was Ed Jackson too. Congratulations, Ed. A great yarn about Ambrose saying that he and Scott Pye can win Bathurst this year. Tony, does a man who has stepped out of the car have a realistic chance of standing on the top step at the uh, hallowed mountain? Gee, that's a... Oh, 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 crikey. Um, Look, certainly both those guys are able and capable given the right place and in the right team and the right things. I'm not sure they have all the elements there together. I mean, if you were saying Penske Racing and they had a long history in the sport and things like that, or you were saying DJR, yeah, they've won it in the past, but I'm not sure they've got the elements all together now to do it. John, is this just uh, too big a call? Look, I think it's possible. (laughs) I mean, this is a team that that is on the up. Uh, They've developed that car uh, really well uh, to this point in in the championship, and you'd think uh, it's only going to get better. Uh, you know, Scott Pye started uh, to deliver some some top five results. He, you could certainly say he's a you know a consistent, uh, almost top ten runner now. I mean, I think it's fair to say that that car is is embedded in the top ten. So, look, I think in, and Bathurst is one of those races where where things can go can go wrong for people and they can go right for people and. I, it's a very strong driver combination. That's, that's the other aspect. I mean, Marcus is no slouch. He, he proves right at the beginning of, of the year by uh, qualifying in the top 10 in Adelaide, which is why we're also puzzled as to why he jumped out of the car um, to begin with. Because, I mean, I didn't feel he was, he was doing a, a bad job. In fact, I thought that was an excellent you know, result for your first time back in, in V8 supercars uh, after many years. So... Look, I, I certainly think if, if they keep going up and up like they have been, by the, by the time they hit Bathurst, uh, sure, they might not be in the same position that the pro driver are in or, or Red Bull, but you know, I, they're on the up and they could do it. There's one interesting stat, and that is the Penske stat. They are, Team Penske is one of the five most successful racing teams in modern times. Since 1971, I think it might have been, or late 60s, when Penske made his debut at Indy uh, 500 with uh, Mark Donoghue. Since then, every third year that Roger Penske goes to Indianapolis, including this year, every third year they go there, they win it. One, he's won it 15 times in 45 years. Um, so there's no shadow of a doubt that they get the elements involved there in winning the biggest single race in the world every year. But the unfortunate thing is Penske doesn't have that long history. And while they might have bought into it with, 
with Dick Johnson's, there's not, they haven't bought enough of what they need. And it's not just good management, it's good luck, and it's all the things that go with it. So, geez, it would be an amazing story if they did it. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. Mm, well, stranger things can happen too. Who would have thought Paul Morris would uh, win it when his car was on the back row of the uh, the grid? <laughs> and after it spent some time in the fence. <laughs> Twice. Ford, will they stay in V8 supercars, Tony? Oh, well, you know, I mean, that's, it goes hand in hand. I think, you know, there's... There's no one man probably capable of bringing uh, Ford to uh, stay in the paddock, keeping him there, than Roger Penske. Um, the card market has changed so dramatically, you know, since I last really wrote about it back in the 90s. It's just a very, very... It's an importer's market now. Um, Ford certainly knows that, you know, their first real success run in the 1960s when the Mustang came and all those things that happened with it and Ford as a global brand, it was based on, you know, the Ford Motorsport. It was based on, on the thing that, that, you know, race on one that went on Sunday, sell on Monday and, and that whole thing. So the world's changed a lot since then, but I think that there may be some, within the company somewhere people that, who still believe that it has value to the brand, so maybe they will come back in some way, shape or form. I don't need to walk away totally from it, but there might be a bit more than a vestigial interest in it. Mm. It's all going to come down to, isn't it, John, if they somehow can say your Bluetooth smartphone connectivity in this XYZ car that you saw on the racetrack is better than the other brands. I don't know if it, it... It necessarily does come down to that side of things. I, I, I think you know there is a long tradition here of, in some guys, Ford being involved in the championship, whether it be as a factory team, as a customer team. I look. I think there's a bit of a, and maybe I'm controversial and and in saying this, and maybe I don't see the writing on the wall, but I I think that. Uh, they they will be around for many years to come. They have a they have a massive fan base, and okay, I, I understand all the points about car production and, and the and the and the and the future of motoring and and all this sort of thing, and and maybe it doesn't suit them from a a, a brand perspective. But a big part of the sport, and 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 it is a sport, is this fan base that has developed that loves Ford, that loves the Blue Oval, that wants to that. It, it, it's an integral integral part of V8 supercars, and and I find it hard to believe that there won't be someone up and down pit lane who want to keep that alive. Mm, well, I think I just don't see it there, John. I see that a well dressed young lady bouncing down the hall of a dealership, telling you how good their Fords are, sells more cars than one Pepsi Max racer going around the track next year. Well, we can have that discussion in, in a year's time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to take a break here. A final thought up next on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to have to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought or even a prediction from this weekend's racing at Queensland Raceway, Tony Whitlock. Well, I certainly think that uh, maybe more than one, maybe two of the races will be won by a Ford driver, whether it's Chaz or David or Mark. Um, I think it's highly likely that Mark will increase his lead, and I think that uh, come uh, Sydney that... I mean, it was one of the weird things that, you know, listening to uh, uh, stories of Holden complaining about the parity, aero parity, when they were at Winton. Of all the tracks to complain about aero parity, there is no bloody aero parity there. You know, the cars, you know, their average speed is just, it's just a ridiculous thing to be ringing up, whereas what when they get to Eastern Creek, of course, that Aero Parity does play a part because that's got one of the fastest corners in Australia. But I have a suspicion that uh, uh, PRA will be going to Eastern Creek in a very strong position, stronger than they're even in now. All right, John Bannon. Last time I came on this program, I think before uh, Townsville Craig, I, I predicted that the Jamie Wincup and, and Red Bull would would come back that that weekend and, and win the races and, and really kickstart their championship campaign. I'd love to say that uh, again. Uh, I, I think that could happen, but I think I, I tend to agree with, with Tony. I think um, Mark will most likely uh, extend his lead in the, in the championship and um, between himself and, and, and Chaz, uh, they'll have the, the pickings of the wins over the weekend, but um, we will see. I, I guess for the the the, uh, the sake of the championship, you know, we, we hope there are as many winners as, as possible. So um, let's see what happens. Yep. All right. Interesting indeed. I actually think the Giz is going to take the majority of the points out of this weekend. Just something I think uh, I think something's going to happen there. And we will see a triple eight car just uh, with the driver to be doing the uh, doing the uh, spraying of the champagne. Thanks very much to Tony Whitlock and John Bannon. Pleasure, Craig, and uh, John, nice to talk to you again. Yes, you too, guys. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.